0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Obviously, I am not Bob. Bob is still sick, unfortunately, and he asked me, John Lindemann from Digital Foundry, to uh, handle this week's podcast. So, we're going to go through the various updates that have appeared on RetroRGB over the last week and try to cover them. I can't promise it'll be as entertaining or as well thought out as what Bob normally does, but he can't miss a week, and I'm here to help make sure that does not happen. So let's get into it first item on the agenda today the Sinden light gun uh, if you guys haven't checked this out this is an amazing light gun that allows you to essentially play light gun games on an HD TV, um, and it works really well from what I understand I'm talking to a lot of friends that have used it well the PS1 digital which is something we reviewed on digital foundry as well as uh, over on retro RGB Um, they've added a new firmware update that supports the Sinden light gun. And the way this works is the light gun itself uses this large white border around the edge of the screen as part of its functionality. And this is now an option that can be enabled uh, on the PS1 digital, which allows you to use the light gun with various light gun games on the PlayStation, which is quite a nice thing. I think as the PS1 has some amazing titles, obviously the time crisis stuff, point blank series, Uh, Elemental Gear Bolt, and a whole slew of other light gun games, so I've actually been wanting to get my hands on this light gun for a while, uh, and this is just one more reason to do so, I suspect, because, yeah, being able to play this on a large HDTV should give you that nice arcade feeling that you perhaps don't get playing on a small CRT. Next up is something a little bit uh, smaller. This is the GC Video Project Support Brace. So Todd Gill, who's been involved in the scene for a while, he's actually just released this uh, 3D printed brace that essentially adds support for uh, the, the default GC video design, as you can see. So basically it's a port that goes into the digital port on your GameCube. Uh, it's been talked about for years, of course. The problem is though is it sticks out a fair amount and when you plug in an HDMI cable into this it can kind of put a lot of pressure on the actual port on your GameCube as well Um, and because the GameCube has this sort of if you look um, if you look here you can see how it kind of fits in there it's this little 3d printed wedge and there's this gap running along the side here on the GameCube Not gap, but it's like a little lip around where the AV ports and the vent is. And they even have a little hole here for that vent. It essentially rests on that. And this provides that extra little bit of support to mean that you can press down on a little bit, put the weight from the cable uh, without actually impacting um, the port on your GameCube itself. So... Small little thing, but really cool and useful, I suppose. Uh, if you're using GC video adapters like this, such as the Prism, the Carby, or anything else like that, so definitely something worth checking out. Next up, the Eight Bit Do Pro Two review. So this comes to us from Lou Seedman, I suppose, um, and he did a nice little video here reviewing this controller. And I guess the idea here is it sort of takes the place of the official Switch Pro controller, but still offers a lot of the functionality you get with typical 8-bit dough pads. Uh, The big thing I catch from this, though, is right here. Essentially, it has a switch on the back of the controller now. And this is a big deal because on a lot of these 8-bit dough pads, if you want to toggle between the different modes, like let's say you want to use it on like, the switch, but then you want to go and use it on a different machine. If you have like a Bluetooth adapter for a retro console or something like that, you used to have to hold the buttons at startup and different combination to put it into the correct pairing mode. Uh, this kind of takes the guesswork out of that. It seems like, which is a really nice feature. Just flick it to the one that you want and go from there. Um, the pad itself Sort of maintains that Super NES-style design, I suppose, but with the sort of wings on the side, like almost like a PlayStation controller, I would say. Uh, which makes sense, given what it's going for here. I-, I like the look of it. I'd be curious to try it. I can't say from experience, though. I haven't really used any of 8 bit DOS controllers with analog sticks, just the normal D-pad controllers, but it does look nice. And the review is pretty positive about it, so... Uh, and it is cheaper as well than the official Switch Pro controller. And plus the D-pad, of course, looks pretty good as well. So this is uh, this could be a nice alternative and definitely going to be a better alternative than playing with the Joy-Con themselves house and their little, uh, what is it, the little adapter. That thing does not feel great to use on the TV. So definitely check this out. Next up, the Ultra CD RAM cart available for pre-order. Okay, now this one's cool. So, Castlemania Games just opened up pre-orders for this thing. Uh, it's from DB Electronics, who always puts out great stuff. Essentially, it's just a RAM cartridge for the Sega slash Mega CD. And as a heavy Mega CD user, uh, this is very useful, because the system itself does not have a lot of built-in storage. I actually already have, as they mentioned here, the original 1-megabit CD backup RAM cart. Um, but this one is 4 megabits, so it is quite a bit larger, four times the size, actually, which means you can hold just about anything you could want to play on the system, I'd say. Um, The way it works, though, is you sort of put it into the cartridge slot on your system when running Sega CD games or Mega CD games, and it becomes visible to the system from there. You can then try to manage your saves from this file manager that's built into the Mega CD And from there, just kind of copy files over from the internal storage to the external storage and vice versa. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a pretty good way to manage having a large library of CD games for the system. I suspect many people here do not, but for me, actually, I think I have 42 Sega CD games and obviously not all of them are going to be able to fit on the internal memory. So this is a great solution and better than buying the smaller, much older Uh, official cartridge from Sega. So definitely something to look out for. I'm loving all these new memory solutions. There was obviously the Memory Card Pro for the PlayStation recently. Then you have this as well. It's great to have well-made solutions that tackle the storage problem rather than some of the cheap, unreliable knockoffs that may have appeared back in the day. Though in this case, I'm not so sure. So uh, this one should be good, though. It's definitely worth a look. Speaking of storage, uh, there is now a review from Scarlet Sprites on the Darksoft CPS3 Ultra Sim Multi-Review. So, basically, this from, from looking at the review, this essentially kind of solves the problem with previous CPS3 solutions. Let's say you want to use a real CPS3 board. It seems like you actually had to flash the individual memory sticks, I guess, which was a very slow process at the time. And there's not a lot of CPS3 games, but if you do want to change games, which would make sense using this kind of thing, uh, you had to wait. What the new Darksoft kit does, once you slot this in and get it everything configured, it doesn't come pre-configured as far as I can see, which makes sense as well. Um, there's actually a series of um, dip switches on these slots that allow you to sort of toggle between the different games. And that is... You know, not the most convenient thing necessarily, but it does seem like it, it's much, much faster than waiting for the very lengthy copy process. Uh, and it's it's important to note, and I think he makes a note under his video as well, is that he did show a small glitch with red earth uh, in the video, but that has been fixed since then, and it looks to be in good shape. Now, uh, I don't, obviously, this is kind of one of those hardcore pieces of uh, equipment, I suppose very interesting if you're somebody that actually wants to use a cp system 3 board and i think red earth really is the only game on cps 3 that doesn't have a dreamcast conversion um but yeah if you if you're out there you want to use this in a cabinet dark Soft stuff is always pretty good and this one looks to be an excellent solution as well so very cool on to the next one yeah this is a Bob does this every week. This is this is pretty. This is this is good fun, but challenging to present this stuff as eloquently as Bob. I don't know. I'm trying, but anyway, the next the next one here, the Master System to Game Gear cartridge adapter now for sale. So this is also um, being sold over on Castlevania Games, and this is a new adapter for playing Master System games on an original Game Gear. Now, obviously, these have existed in the past, even back in the day. This is a new iteration of that, Um, and it's sort of an open source adapter this time. Um, It looks like yeah, it was originally announced last year, and now it is available. You can pick this up, and yeah, if you if you aren't familiar, of course, the Master System and the Game Gear share a lot of hardware. There are some differences, but you can effectively play Game Gear sorry you can play Master System games on the Game Gear, just by converting this cartridge pinout to work on the Game Gear itself, sort of handle this cart. The problem, though, is that the Game Gear screen itself is very low resolution. It's like 160 by 144 resolution. Master System games are higher resolution than that, and often when converted to proper Game Gear releases, they would just simply crop the image. So you have larger sprites on the screen, a smaller screen real estate. That doesn't happen here. Instead, Similar to the um, the Turbo Express, actually, the game resolution is higher than the actual pixel resolution of the LCD within the system itself. Um, so it ends up looking kind of like poorly scaled, I think, on a regular looking Game Gear, at least in my experience. But, um, and yeah, if you're using a regular Game Gear as well, of course, the original screens installed in these things do not hold up well, the viewing angles are terrible, it's very difficult to enjoy, um, and there, but there are modern LCD kits, of course, for this, but even those, I'm not 100% happy, happy with, because of the uneven pixel scaling, uh, there are some nice modes in there to improve it, but, There's not really a perfect solution to playing Game Gear games on a regular Game Boy, unlike, say, the Game... uh, On a regular Game Gear, unlike, say, the Game Boy, which has those very nice IPS screens with sort of the retro pixel grid uh, due to its high pixel count. Hopefully we see something like this for the Game Gear in the future, because then then something like this could really be useful. Last but not least, this is something that was just missed for the last roundup. Uh, this is the Castlevania Resurrection Dreamcast prototype. Now, this this made quite a lot of waves when it sort of showed up a week or so ago. And since then, I guess, I'm not sure about the state of it. It went up on eBay. Uh, the bids went up very high, and then it disappeared, which makes me think perhaps it was sold to some private seller. I'm not entirely sure on this, but... What's interesting about it is that this was one of the earliest games announced for the Sega Dreamcast. It was a Western-developed take on Castlevania, so I'm not entirely sure how great it would have been, to be honest, in the end. But it was it was very hyped at the time. I myself remember waiting for it, seeing the screenshots. It was certainly an interesting idea, but it was cancelled. Um, but obviously... Some of it exists. There was a demo shown behind closed doors back at E3 1999 before the system launched, and it seems like this demo is specifically the one um, that was shown to select people at the time. And it seems to consist of several different rooms and areas to sort of fight through and play around in just to kind of showcase what they're going for. But not a lot of people got hands on with that at the time. But here it is, it does exist. Um, there's video of it actually running, this is an official GDR disc, um, and yeah, look at that, I, I really hope that someday we can actually get our hands on this, because right now, I don't know the status of where this is at, but I really hope that this build is somehow released at some point, and we're really not sure what's gonna happen, but this is the kind of stuff I love seeing, like, long lost games game releases like this unfinished prototypes that just sort of resurface in this way and it would really give us a piece of history um and yeah we'll have to keep an eye out for that so yeah anyway that's pretty much going to do it for this uh weekly roundup perhaps it's a little bit shorter than usual um again um i don't quite have the eloquence of bob when it comes to handling this sort of thing because i haven't done this before but it's a fun little exercise taking a look at this stuff. Of these stories we saw today, though, I think the the most exciting for me has to be the combination of the Ultra CD-RAM cart. Having more of that is great. And, of course, the light gun support for the PS1 Digital. That's probably the most interesting one. And I really need to look into getting one of those send in light guns, I think, in here. Because, uh, yeah, light gun games, they're awesome. But anyway, thanks for watching, everybody. And hopefully next week, Bob will be back to serenade you with his tales of uh, the retro world that we all live in. So until then, take care.